I've had a lot of extra time on my hands during uh, the quarantine, as I'm sure you guys have. I've been doing things like cleaning my room, cooking dinner more. <laughs> but I've also had a lot more time to manscape. Oh, gross. Yeah, wait, what? <laughs> Sometimes I clean my room. Yeah, what's going on here? <laughs> no, I, I'm saying like, you know, during the course of a week, you're like, man, I didn't have enough time to go to the gym today. I didn't have enough time to manscape today. But <laughs> when we're quarantined, did- when we're quarantined, there's no excuse. You have all the time. So wait, in the you world. manscape daily? <laughs> <laughs> Is this like shaving during your a face? Quarantine, it could be daily. <laughs> during, a quarantine. during quarantine, it could be daily, my friend. Wow. It could be daily. Wow. Yeah. So, so I'm able to do that because Manscaped hooked us up with an awesome package, the Perfect Package 3.0 kit, and you guys can get yours for 20% off when you use the code DNVR20 at manscaped.com. We good to go? <laughs> we good? Be good? I couldn't. I, have, I cut I out. I think we're good. God. Yeah, internet, we're good. Everybody being on the internet right now is really high. It's specifically your internet. Your internet. It's so weird. I just went to Xfinity and got like the upgraded thing, and it still is the worst internet of everybody. It doesn't get. They told me it was the fastest internet that you can have. The, fu- the fastest commerce. That's city. what they tell you every time. They they told me that for the last yeah, right. years. Every they never. Time they, I read yeah. my this is pretty the good. Subscription. This is like a pretty good internet. They're lying. <laughs> You're, they're lying. Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna up your internet big time. <laughs> they just they know that we don't know how it works, so they're like, no, this this is faster for sure. That's why you gotta pay they're more. Like, would you like uh, three months of the encore channel? Like, I don't know. I guess. Yeah, sure. I'll take sure. that. Yeah, I don't yeah. Know what's on there? No, okay. <laughs> Um, all right, well, welcome uh, and everybody to the DNVR Nuggets podcast. All right, applause, Yay. round of applause. Yeah. <laughs> I'm your host, Adam Matez. I'm joined to my top left, as always, it's Eric Guido. Hooray, hooray, yay. <laughs> to my bottom right, it's Harrison Wind. <laughs> Hyped to be here just because I did not have to watch Rasul Butler for four quarters tonight. <laughs> Man, that's some real talk. We're going to get into that real, real fast. And then, of course, as always, last but not least, Brendan Vogt. Razul Butler was like the third option on that team. So. <laughs> so, he was a little underrated, if I might say. Oh, God. We're really, <laughs> the, the quarantine is asking too long if we were talking about Razul Butler talk being underrated. 2000, 2009 Wait, that's Hornets. That's two-way player. Yeah, I was actually very excited to never talk about the 2009 Hornets again, and here we are. Um, no, the, tonight we just wrapped up watching game one of the second round, the Western Conference semifinals against the Nuggets and the Mavericks, and the Nuggets cleaned up, took care of business, in a 14-point dominant win. I was shocked, shocked <laughs> to see the Nuggets come out the gate and storm the gate. Um, no, but it was fun. It was um, – so the Mavericks go 4-1 in their first-round series against, I think, Portland. And they arrive – so Denver – San Antonio, I think. Oh, San Antonio. You're right. San Antonio. Denver goes 4-1. So you get a matchup that, on paper at least, was kind of exciting, kind of interesting. Um, you also just get a lot more, pl- like – Good players. Am I cutting out on you guys? No. No, we're with you. Oh, Eric. yeah. There's way, there's way more talent. There's way more players that are fun to watch. Um, even an older Jason Kidd, he's in that crafty, candy yeah, yeah. fit stage where he's super fun to watch. You know, in the fr- so they're two. I don't know, the Hornets yeah, had Jay- like two Jason guys. Kidd, like uh, yeah, Jason Kidd, big like white old guy at the YMCA vibes in this series. Yeah, that little short runner. Off the bank, he had in like the there's, second. There's or third nothing corner. better. Than, there's nothing better game. than an aging point guard that like turn like Andre Miller or <laughs> Jason Kidd that turns wily <laughs> and they turn away from their athletic uh, roots. It, it's like so much more interesting. <laughs> wily, that's yeah. what you like, huh? The old. So you're gonna you're really gonna advocate for Chris Paul down the stretch. That's what you want to see. I guess I do. I, I I think I just like to. I want to <laughs> see all of his insurance agent friends come and see be seen at the Pepsi Center. By the way, did you you guys? By now, I hope you've listened to the George Carl episode of it. He is a huge advocate for Chris Paul coming to Denver. Like, it kind of sounded like it was more about they should have in the past. Maybe that train has sailed. But um, he's a, he's big into, and I kind of he kind of sold me on the idea. To be honest, with he you. totally did. Yeah, he he was saying also that he thought he could have him. He could be had this year. Right. Yeah. That. Well. That. Well. Oh, he just yeah, went to Oklahoma. Sure. Oh, you're saying this off season this, coming up? Well, in in I think in the if before, before the trade deadline, I think that he was saying that they could. Yeah, have made a move. I, I agree. It's 
Yeah, it seemed like he was saying they should have traded for him prior to the deadline. That's what I took away from it. The only thing is we know that you would have to have given up something for him, like something good, and just like, come on, man. Minnesota, Portland, Utah, that really would have completed the set to, to go to Oklahoma City and just giving them, like, Gary Harris and Malik Beasley and Wancho. I mean, can you imagine? Like, yeah, but wouldn't it have been better? Right, so. The other thing uh, about Carl that I thought was interesting was he said that Paul would work alongside Murray. Mm-hmm. And initially, when reacting to, like, on Twitter or, or interpreting his tweets, I thought he meant Paul instead of Murray. Right. Um, so, so it was interesting to see that that's his mindset. I mean, defensively, you'd have a lot of issues, but oof, that offense would be. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't up. you have preferred that we cashed in Wancho and Malik Beasley along with another piece or two and gotten Chris Paul as opposed to uh, who did we get again? Jordan McRae. <laughs> Jordan McRae. <laughs> the 21st Shabazz pick Napier. in the draft. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, I don't know. Shabazz Napier's been good for dinner. Yeah. Uh, I heard Jordan McRae was a great locker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, for I mean seriously though, yeah, that's um, <laughs> it is funny. I, I I do feel like the number one thing from watching that New Orleans, I guess if to put a button on it, we did watch the final game of that that game five was just watching a tr- a real point guard run a show. You're just like, yeah, you always. It almost feels like having a great point guard elevates your floor. You're always good. No, like no matter what, your team's gonna be solid. And then everybody shows up, you're great. But yeah, I do think I do wonder if that's the thing. Like right now, Jokic is the floor raiser. Like when he's on, your team is. A, at least a 500 team, no matter what else. Happens. My God, George Carl was so interesting to listen to. Like his thoughts on Jokic being that everything he said, I was like, that's exactly correct. That's exactly what I thought and have thought, but could never put into words. Like when he was th- saying that Jokic um, likes to have the responsibility, but he does not want all of the responsibility. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's like the the perfect way to phrase that. And I think a lot of I that has to do. Thing on, he... I think a lot of that has to do with being a big though. Um, because I do think Jokic wants the ball to go through him, but it's it, I, I think it has a lot to do with just like if you can't get him the ball in an easy spot for him, then he has to go out of his way to orchestrate it in ways he doesn't want to. And I think that was even more the point. It wasn't I, I think if Chris Paul came here, I don't think Jokic can be standing in the corner. I think it's more just about like, you know where I want the ball at the free throw line and Chris Paul can get me that without me having to like do something crazy just to get there. I think I think that's really kind of what he's hinting at. Well, did you guys see how easily Dirk got the ball in this series? Oh, yeah. Just, especially in the first half, wherever he wanted it, point. on the elbows, on the wing. Because he had Jason Kidd passing yeah. the ball. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, that's a really great yeah, the point. Underrated aspect of Dirk's career, playing with young Steve Nash, late Jason Kidd, some good point guards for him. Makes a big difference for a dynamic big. Before we go, uh, let's do this. Let's move on to the Dow series in segments two and three. Because um, I kind of want to hang on the George Carl. So if you didn't listen, on Friday we had George Carl on the show, and it was an hour long conversation, a little over an hour. It was and he excellent, just dropped, excellent show. I thought he just, I, I, I thought so too. He dropped a lot of gems, um, including about the American healthcare system, which I was not expecting. I did not expect right him right gate. out the gate um, to have some takes there. No, but um, he was he was just fascinating, and I, I think we obviously have a reflective George Carl right now. But we also have, like, he's still opinionated. Like, it was funny to me, whenever you interview a person like this, I'm always like, okay, well, are they not going to say anything? Are they going to play it safe? Are they going to, like, tip? He just went right into anything he wanted. Like, well, let's just get... He actually asked the Jamal Murray question. I had it ready to go, but he was like, let's just get into it, because I'm sure you've seen what I've said. <laughs> Nuggets need a point guard. And it was, it was just fascinating. And I'm with you, Eric. I don't, you know... I, I think I not only did I agree with a lot of what he said, I just thought he had some really interesting perspectives on a, on a bunch of different things that that um, I don't know. It, yeah. was, it, it was fascinating. I want to hear more from George. Me too. Carl. He's not like he's not somebody that I ever thought of as, and I don't I, I don't know why I didn't, but I never really thought of him as being like a, a, a super hyper basketball intellectual. I just sort of thought he was a. Uh, I don't know, just kind of a hot-headed coach and sort of lost control of his team and they had a bunch of uh, misfits that just ran the ran the court and did as they pleased. But um, listening to him talk and the way that he was explaining his philosophy and like being able to see how it was applied to the way that he was managing these games, I was like, wow, I cannot believe what a raw deal George Carl got in general. Like he just really, he was really dealt like a terrible set of cards. And the fact that he got fired the year after he won coach of the year. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I I just, I was so intrigued by it. And I was so, he was just so interesting to listen to. And there's something about being like in the latter 
part of your life and going through what he's gone through with his cancer and everything that really puts you in a place where, and he said it more than once and he named his podcast, this truth in basketball. He's only interested in telling the truth. Like there's no spin with George Carl. It's, it's really refreshing. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely yeah. spin, self spin. I think there's, there's some spin. <laughs> there's like it's some, his truth. Well, that's yeah, it's true. It's true. But, but but still, it's, yeah. but still, that's valuable. Like he's not going to filter what he believes. True. That's what that's what you mean. I think. So I'm th- I was thinking about this a lot throughout the course of this last season because Scott Brooks just led a ragtag group of nobodies to one of the best offenses in the NBA, and when he had Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, he did not do that. <laughs> and and I think. I think I I wonder if part of this is and I actually believe this wholeheartedly that so much of the NBA is like these players have a lot of power and yeah we don't yeah go ahead we don't know if if like Durant and Westbrook iso ball in the fourth was Brooks decision <laughs> right. you know if Brooks had his way it might have looked quite different but how do you tell Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook what to do and I think it's the same perhaps even with George Carl where you know, I think, he, and you could tell from listening to him, he would love to have a Jokic. I mean, he would just, right. he would just be so excited to be like, look at this, like, multi-tool I have to do with creative stuff, and he's so willing to pass and share the ball. But sometimes you just have J.R. Smith, and you're like, I don't, that, what, what does it matter what play I call? And it, and it does kind of <laughs> re- remind me a little bit, Mello and J.R., just the whole vibe of this team really keeps bringing me back to Michael Porter Jr., because I see a lot of Michael Porter and Carmelo, and we'll probably talk about that here in a little bit. But I do wonder if there's just a little bit of Malone probably would love to do a lot of different things. It's what can he accomplish? And what does he know that he can accomplish rather than maybe just always what does he believe? I don't know. Such a good point. Nobody I had thought the, response. the uh, I, I thought the most interesting thing that George Carl had to say, and we talked about this a little on Monday's show, but when it seemed like he was saying how he had some regret in terms of how he handled Mello, how he handled JR. Specifically, JR, he was like, man, should I have just been playing this guy 30 minutes instead of playing him 20 minutes off the bench every night? What could he, what could he have been? So I just thought him, just from like a reflection standpoint, was super interesting because he's at that time in his life now and he's obviously reflecting back on his 40-year career in the NBA and probably has a lot of regret. I just thought... What he said about Mello and Jr. I thought that was fascinating. And I feel like Jr. kind of is the victim of like a self fulfilling prophecy that maybe he wasn't even always writing. I mean, he is who he is, and and so that we know that now, right? Like with the benefit of hindsight. But was there a version of J? Like every single time he put a shot up, the broadcast crew <laughs> ripped the shots. Like, even if it was a great shot. After, after Harrison pointed open, that out after, after the first game, that any shot that he put up, they, the broadcasters would just be like, oh, JR shooting again. It's so right, true. Because cause you're like, oh, JR, we all know the JR thing. But underneath that was a was a top 15, top 20 talented player at his peak. Um, and he was oh, never yeah. that good, but that was his talent level. So was JR inevitable or if coaches and and fans and the media viewed him differently is there another version of him out there i it reminds me a lot of javel mcgee because you remember the big beef javel had with Shaq, just saying like dude you've turned me into this thing like am i goofy sure am i a little off a little different but you've turned me into this one-dimensional character and it's true like they javel would do things that were like moderately funny and they would turn him into a bit like on Shaq in a fool or whatever he was like every week he was on it and and Steve Kerr even made this point about JaVale of like, look, man, yeah, he's funny, but he's there's more to him. He's actually a pretty smart and thoughtful person, but everybody just thinks he's this dumbass. So I wonder there is probably at least a little bit of that with JR, but at the same time, guys, he takes ridiculous shots like five a game where he just does something yeah. completely and totally absurd. Uh, Do you guys remember when JR actually tried to change his name to to Earl? No. His given name. I don't remember this. Yeah. He tried. He tried to like go by Earl. It's I, true. I think you know. In, in I don't know, 2012, 2013, maybe. Earl's a real just classic because name. It, Earl Smith. He, but just similar to the Javale McGee thing, he was just known as that guy. Yeah. And I think he was trying to shed that stigma a little bit. Earl's Earl's a 1950s name right there. That's a really throw. That's a yeah, real throw. There was no way anybody was going to call J.R. Smith Earl. <laughs> Earl. He was fighting a real uphill battle. His friends were probably like, "Dude, we're going to keep it real. We're not. Yeah, we're not, not going to call him that." Did that have something to do with like uh, his dad? Like he wanted because that have that has to be his dad's name too, right? 
Earl Smith. That's why he's or is he Junior? Is that what, J, what Jr. is all about? Jr. is Junior. Yes, yes. Jr. is Junior. But I, well, Jr.'s real, real Jr.'s first name is Earl. Well, that's what I mean. But so like, <laughs> thank you for that clarification. <laughs> yeah. We <know>. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Jeez, Harrison. Um, you know another part that I don't know if it was his father's name. I'm not sure. Another another part of the George Carl thing, and I guess we can wrap up this first segment with this. But one of the other things, actually, two more things that I found really interesting: him talking about Chauncey, and I just love the thing where he said, "Within two weeks of Chauncey arriving, yeah. we knew this team was where we were a winner." And I just, I. I really wonder if the Nuggets this year – I'm a big believer in teams kind of know what they have. Like, everybody's irrationally confident in the NBA. But I do think that there's this underlying second-level confidence, not just your regular confidence, but your second-level confidence where people are like, we have something special. And I thought the Nuggets had that last year in part because they they knew they were getting over the hump, but not just over the hump. Like, we're better than people realize, whatever. And I wonder if that was lacking this year and it was like an unspoken – like, everybody kind of felt it. Like, yeah – we don't have whatever the inverse of the Chauncey thing was. They they had it. It's possible. There's also like a lot less joy this season than there was last season for the Nuggets. So like remember like three two one party time and like all of these moments where the team was like celebrating. We got shots from the locker room and you just felt like very. Um, I don't know. It just felt like there was something to be excited about. And you know, it's not that they, it wasn't there this year for them, but. Um, it just it just felt steady and it felt boring. It felt like a like a job you've had for a while, right? Oh yeah. Totally. Well, it's because last year last year was all about making the playoffs. Totally. So the entire year was about the regular season. This year, and I've said this before, this team was looking ahead to the playoffs from the day they broke ground on training camp. <laughs> that is fair. In, That's uh, very October. fair. This could but have been I, the I veteran think... team now. That's just like, yeah, this stuff doesn't matter. You guys are going to freak out about February eighth, but we aren't. Maybe, but I do think on the opposite end of like analytical, you know, that spectrum of evaluating basketball is there is that that feeling of who this team has something and and maybe that's not championship but something like the way Tariko is talking about the Nuggets and the way they advanced past the first round and how fun it was for Denver to be back, whether that team won a title or not, and we know they didn't, people were looking at them that way. You know what I mean? Ooh, there's something brewing here. Yeah, it was there's a big deal. Cooking. And you saw and, and whatever that is. Whether that's real or not, if you can quantify that or, or put your finger on it, I do think it was lacking this year for Denver. Yeah, I mean, the other thing, I don't know if you picked up on the graphic that they were showing, but the Nuggets were the only thing going in town as far as sports were concerned. Like, oh, all yeah. the other sports were in the dump. Yeah. And so, um, you know, last year in the playoffs, like it, it, the support was strong, but it was a little soft. And I think it's because the Nuggets were sharing the, the spotlight with the Avs, exactly. And so, like, at this point in time where um, – Ryan Koningsberg was creating his own Birdman <laughs> Mohawk. And, um, <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, Brenda, when you would walk into the stadium, there'd be like six D-lines out there, like hawking shirts of Birdman that they'd made, like trying to sell you stuff. And like, I bought, I have a mellow shirt that I bought outside of Pepsi Center. I had a Birdman <laughs> shirt. I had a Chauncey <laughs> shirt that I bought, like from all these, like, uh, these street vendors. Like, cause pe- like people were in and it was like a big deal. Like it was the big ticket. There were so many characters, though, that, like, who would you dress up as if you were going to dress up as a current Nugget player? Like, Birdman was such a costume. Everybody did the Birdman. Everybody in Colorado between the ages of, you know, six and 22 dressed up as Birdman for one Halloween during this run. (laughs) Yes, yes. Who would you dress up as now, like Mason Plumley? Like, what does that even look like? Who would you dress up as? Like, there's not even, there's no characters on this team, like, zero just goes yeah, bowl, bowl. Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> he's not even on the team <laughs> <laughs> um no the other thing that uh the last thing we can go up, move on to commercial here when you can queue up the other thing with george carl i thought was <clears throat> i genuinely got the sense that he was interested in the nuggets you know kept tabs on the nuggets he kept calling himself a fan he said i'm a nuggets fan and i you i thought to me he desperately wants back in like you know, he want, he want, he wants the acceptance again, I think from the fan base primarily, but, you know, the gatekeeper to that is Josh Kroenke and the Denver Nuggets organization. And look, I don't I, – I put this on Twitter. I don't care who was in the right or who was in the wrong. I think there's a lot of, like, people that probably have a lot of egos that were mixed up in all of that sort of circumstance in that moment. But as a fan, I just want to see George Carl not be shunned and banned. I want to see him at Pepsi Center, yeah. like – 
Peyton Manning is every now and then where they throw him on the jumbotron and everybody cheers. Like that's, I just want to get to that point because I think it's important. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like a, a bad breakup where you, you know, you see somebody, you have a terrible breakup and then you have to block each other on social media and like slowly over time you run into each other. It's not as weird, not as weird. You have friends yeah. that like are talking to each other and then after a while you're like, <laughs> like George Carl was in that place of acceptance where he's like, I don't care. Like, I don't, I, I want to see him. Yeah. Who, who do you want to be, the Lakers or the Knicks? Because the Lakers have like six decades, seven decades of legacy, and everybody's welcome into the arena. And anytime any of the guys come back, it's like, hey, this Laker legend, there's a thread that runs through every single era. There you have the Knicks where Charles Oakley is getting kicked out of the arena by the, you know, and like there's public spats between him and the owner. And it's like, guys, the Knicks also have history. They just don't celebrate any of it. And there's like, and, and the Nuggets aren't as bad as the Knicks, thank God, but it's. For me, I'm just like, you know what? I want to see George Carl. He's a huge piece. There's three successful eras in Nuggets history. He's part of one of them. <laughs> well, I mean. Like, can we just have him back? He's one of the only guys alive, you know, like that you can still still honor in this way. I mean, they just retired. Um, who, Brendan's saying move on because he's not interested in this conversation. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's super fascinating. No, I just want to get to an ad read. Uh -oh. It's just time to keep it moving. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I think more than enough time has passed and – He'd get a standing O, a long standing O, like a full 60-second standing ovation if he was at a game and they showed him on the yeah, jumbotron. The Nuggets have a history of just being really slow to this. Like, they, it took them a long oh, time yeah. to re retire numbers and, like, so I don't know. You know who would come out Enough of that? Enough time has passed and just the fact that Nuggets are a good team. You know who now, would come out looking really, really good and have a good circumstance coach. is Josh Kroenke. He would come out looking really, really good for, for, for bringing him out and celebrating him. So, anyway, Harrison, take us away. Guys, right now at Breck Brew, they've been a partner of ours for a long time, and we're asking you to help them out. Everybody's struggling a little right now in the times that we're in, but the Breck Brew Farmhouse is still open, uh, located in Littleton. They're doing special curbside pickup. They got a special menu that they're doing right now. Give them a call, 303-803-1380. They just expanded their delivery radius, so they're delivering to more places in Denver now. And they're also offering $5 off your food and beverage purchase when you use the code DNVR at the farmhouse. Tons of awesome stuff on the menu. So make sure to give them a call, 303-803-1380. So what does that mean, use the code when you're on the phone? You just mentioned that? You just Yeah, you just mentioned okay, DNVR. Cool. <laughs> You say you say. I have to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have to go. And, and don't the, make me the say. Eighteen-year-old at the counter goes what? <laughs> and uh, also, guys, support Bojo's as well. Harrison's on like They've a five-second actually... delay somehow over there. You guys noticed? <laughs> I have noticed that. It's me off. And he's always like looking like so intently into the camera. Like what? what? Okay. <laughs> Sorry. You'll catch this in a second. Here, so hold on. All right. There you go. You, you guys want to shut up and let me do this read? Or Please. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. All right. Great. Um, so Bojo's has also upped their offer in the times that we're in. <laughs> They're offering 30% off takeout orders at all of their six Colorado locations. DoorDash, of course, also delivers Bojo's. And they're also offering to-go orders at, like I said, all six of their locations. 30% off takeout. All you mm. got to do is ask for it. I don't even, I even think you have to use a DNVR code. Just no kind of ask for it. And, <laughs> and they'll give you 30% off. So support Bojo, support Breck Brew. And uh, also another shout out to Manscaped. <laughs> Manscaped in these times. So. I think uh, Harrison's in the, in the times that we're in bit is my favorite uh, reoccurring bit. <laughs> so good. <laughs> All right, guys, let's move on to this game, game one, Nuggets, Mavs. Um, number one note I have, everybody just pull out your notebooks or whatever. Number one note I have, first thing, no T-shirt giveaway. Oh. I'm going to note this every time they do it because it even, you know, I think there may be, maybe there's a thing with an or a cheap organization that says, you know what, we do one T-shirt giveaway, everybody forgets, nobody will talk about this. No, 11 years later, I'm pointing <laughs> out they, that we saw, no, we saw the Hornets have this T-shirt giveaway. We saw, we've seen the Portland Trailblazers every single night to giveaway. The Nuggets, no giveaway, and it stands out because that was a great crowd, but it looks so much cooler when everybody's in blue or gold or whatever. I will say that I did uh, – yeah. I spilled my uh, Strava iced coffee, which is true, the other day. I spent 15 minutes making the perfect Strava craft coffee, and then I spilled it mm. on the floor almost immediately. 
and then I used a Nuggets towel that I got oh, at wow, it came in handy. one of those games to clean it up. Wow, <laughs> see, see, there you go. Stick with the towels, Nuggets. Yeah. People are, no, people I'm are glad responding. you brought that up, Eric, because I actually think towels are a better Wow. Wow. Hot take. We got to update wins. In the times are wins. Towels are on wins. When you got those towels at a playoff game, way more effective than everybody were in the Unbelievable. It's not about it. Just it creates a way better environment. It's not about the efficacy. It's about the what you're left with. Although, I think I just argued for towels also uh, on accident. Yeah, yeah practice. You can't box yeah. that up with your shirt. That doesn't work. Would you rather a shirt that just has the Elevate like logo on no, it? No, uh, definitely not the Elevate. I'll take a towel. Yeah, I'll, I'll take, take a towel. towel. Right. I'm talked into it. Uh, the towel is cool. The Thunder Sticks, not cool. That's, that's, it's too, it's like, those are annoying, I think. Thunder Sticks are... <laughs> Lighted wristbands, those are also cool. That, that was very also cool. Those, those were very cool. Yeah. Those played well yeah. last year, I thought. Whoever created that is a freaking billionaire now. <laughs> probably. Not. That's probably not what it was. Um, my other note I have from right off the bat, this is maybe third, no, maybe three minutes into the game. Kenyon just hip checks Dirk and looks at him. Like, no reason. For no reason. So great. No reason. Well, the I game's not even chippy yet. There was a reason. It was just kind of be like, this is where, what this is how we're doing this tonight. Welcome to you Denver. Know, yeah. like <laughs> Welcome. Yeah, exactly. I like that. Like a tone setter early yeah. on. Yeah. And then, you know, yeah, he let him right off, know right off the bat, this is going to be a physical series. And, you know, the first game. And then Dirk responded with like seven straight <laughs> points sure in did. his mouth. <laughs> he sure he really did. did. Is, no, yeah, th- this team was not going to get punked. They were going to punk other teams. But even also, like, that was one of the most... It's one thing if, like, maybe someone took a cheap shot at Chauncey or Mello and you're retaliating. Like, Kmart was just bored five minutes into the game. I don't even think he was bored, though, man. I'm telling you, I do think it was a message set. I'm just like, yo, I'm here to use up all six of my fouls. There's one. Yeah. Like, they only get bigger from here. It's just like, I I think there's something to it. Oh, if you yeah. don't get a tech, like well, you mean, have what, to do it without getting a tech. Yeah. But if you don't get a tech, you really send that message of like, yep, they're all gonna hurt. Like, bro. would you have been surprised if Kmart and Dante Jones came together in the locker room before this game? We're like, all right, game right. one, we gotta send a message in the first couple minutes of this game. No, they definitely yeah. Didn't. And I also noticed the Mavericks didn't really like. No one got in his face. Nope. You know. No. Nope. No one really wanted to to send a message or retaliate so at true. all. No, this and team that, was intimidating. That they were intimidating. Yeah. Maybe that yeah, does like, like in the locker room before uh, this <clears throat> current Nuggets team would go to a playoff game. They'd be like, "We need to send this guy a message on Twitter," <laughs> and then they would just like. Send, <laughs> <laughs> I know who is the Plumlee really is the closest to an enforcer. Oh my god! I, it, you know what's funny? I, this is the series. It's great to go back because this series is kind of like recalibrating my brain. I think I needed it like to go back because Plumlee would do this stuff sometimes in the regular season where he would just give a really dumb foul. And I'd always be like, oh, Plumlee's in for ten seconds and he fouled. But like then another part of me is now I'm watching it and I'm going like. You know, maybe that's Plumlee's attempt to do that. Now, I don't know if a guy from Duke as nice as Plumlee can be the, can be the guy. I don't know if that's how it looks. I know, but. I know that he absolutely cannot. You know who our enforcer is? Is Michael Malone. That's the, the closest we have. Uh, it is true. Sometimes Tory Craig does it by accident. <laughs> no. like but you know he, like, apologizes as soon as yeah, it happens. See, Torrey Craig's <laughs> a super nice guy. And then also just, like, I don't – Tory Craig can be your Dante Jones, I guess. I don't know that he can be the only guy. I don't, I don't know that You're he, right. It's – Probably Jordan McRae. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, yeah, we, we're really just circle, circling around the fact that we need a Morris brother. I know. Oh we do. That's what we're circling around we have, right I kind of think they need like three. Yeah. Are there three, yeah, are there three Morris brothers? They also have to play, too. That's the problem. They actually <laughs> have to play. Yeah. Who is the number one I will fight you right here and now NBA player? All time? Today? Or currently? Right now. Currently. Uh, no I don't feel like we have a Morris. ton. Yeah, but I kind of feel like they like to talk. I feel like, you yeah, know what I mean? Like, who's that guy who's, who's really like, bad at? Actually, maybe you shouldn't do that. For James Johnson, I think. Oh, James has that Johnson rep a for sure. Yeah, yeah, but he's people. yeah, but he's maybe more like in real life, not necessarily on the court. <laughs> right, right. In real <laughs> life, my point being, there's not as many of those Bobby guys. Bobby Portis, though, you know what I mean? Yeah, bo- yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bobby, we'll Bobby Portis actually hospitalized the teammate like, <laughs> and and sent him and out of the NBA. The he left the yeah. NBA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny, man. So maybe Bobby Portis, those crazy eyes. Yeah. God, he's terrifying. <laughs> Jokic's brothers tried to fight him one time. So. Can we get Jokic's brothers on the team? That would probably solve all of our problems. 
Oh man, I have a feeling they'd both they would both send these fouls every game, oh, no matter what the It would be incredible. They would get they would get suspended for leaving the bench within the first five minutes. <laughs> you, they of game would have one. like they just jump. Yeah, yeah. They would have like choreographed <laughs> attacks where they would like like the yeah. like the uh, the British or what were the the old those wrestlers the well, I, yeah, the road whatever. warriors <laughs> the road right. dogs whatever. How do you guys know this stuff? I'm um, totally wrong. An, so, uh, another yeah. <laughs> uh, another note that I have from this one. This is a downer. I saw Sparky Gonzalez is in a shot there, who's the Nuggets equipment manager, and he. I know him as an old guy because he's he's still with the team. He's been with the team for thirty years, and he looks. Does my, he look the same? He, no, he looks my age, and oh. I just keep looking at this, going like, it's only been a decade. <laughs> And this is yeah. and, and oh, you've got like eight years left, and that's what I mean. Like I'm gonna in ten years, I'm gonna be looking down at this and just be like, look how young Adam is. Now I'm a fifty year old man and just like uh, checking in on my grandkid. Like I don't know. It was very disturbing to see like how quickly the passage of time you know hits. Well, don't worry about it. None of these games are gonna be on TV or YouTube. <laughs> it's, true, it's true. It's true. It's fine. Well, I I also did see uh, Nugget security guy Bobby on uh, the screen, and he does not look like he's aged day. <laughs> oh, I could believe that. I could really believe that. Speaking of aging. Can we acknowledge Rick Carlisle oh, with hair? Oh, wow. God, yes, let's get into wow. it. We forget almost how much Rick Carlisle looked like Jim Carrey. Young Rick yes. Carlisle, <laughs> dead yes. People, There's people yes. that share similarities. And like, I could see that. It could be a younger brother. You know, It could be whatever. No, he could sneak into a club as Jim Carrey, and they'd be like, for sure. Mr. Carrey, if there's exactly. anything you need, we have it for you. Wow. Exactly. That's true. He's also not half as intimidating with hair. He's so much scarier <laughs> without it. It's unbelievable. It's so true. When he first came on the screen, weren't you like, dude, that's fake. Th- that hair looks fake. Yes. Like, he's wearing some kind of weird wig. Like, what is this? Yeah, his I hair actually looks went, way too it's perfect. Really perfect. It's way too perfect. <laughs> unbelievable. So you get Terry Stotts also on the sideline there, who's a George yeah. Carl disciple. Um, you, got, you got a lot of basketball yeah, th- but that's, uh, in there. That's the funny thing about aging. Uh, like, at a certain point, you just stop aging. <laughs> Like, if you're Hubie Brown, like, Hubie Brown has been the exact same age for the last 20 years, which is just old. <laughs> and Rick Carlisle... God bless Hubie Brown. Rick Carlisle has uh, aged, you know, 50 years in the last nine years. So I don't know how, the, how that's worked out. So the the meat... I have uh, I have another hair. <laughs> Please. On a delight. Uh, Dirk's hair was absolutely... Luscious. 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 And I remember this note about Dirk's hair. I can't remember where I read it, um, but he would always cut his hair at the beginning of the season so it would grow out to this length for the playoffs. And it would like Love really that. be flowing come Love playoff time, which I thought was awesome. I, I, Man, we need Jokic to do something like I this. I know, but like, why deny yourself this flowing hair at the beginning of the season? You can maintain this length the you entire gotta year. You got to earn it. By just you got to earn by it. Just you got to make alive? the playoffs. Oh, if, you, if you get out of the playoffs, you got to shave your head again. It's like a, like a shame. <laughs> the shame of shame. Um, the meat of this game, though, this is one another game where Carmelo was very good in the fourth, but Chauncey – you know, just was okay. I mean, he ran the show. He didn't really stand out. This was another was game where game. it was just like the others. You know, the the story, Birdman got our game ball, and I think deservedly so. Six block shots was just everywhere. Um, Anthony Carter, who has become a punchline in Denver Nuggets lore, was incredible. He was a great. So good. And Nene, uh, right after you tweeted at him about how he was worse than you remembered, his footwork. Um, he did travel again, yeah, though, his... after I put that out there. He did. That's true. But 18 first half points. He had two of the hardest slams that I remember seeing at the we... Pepsi Center also. In 2020, we always talk about, like, well, depth doesn't matter as much in the playoffs. And, all that. and the three <laughs> bench players won that game. Totally. <laughs> so true. I know it. We say the dumbest stuff. <laughs> yeah. I swear to God. Like, they become <laughs> maxims, and it's just yeah. like, well, yeah. everything slows down. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, ba- it's yeah. bad to have a I bunch of good that. players. That's, uh, that's a bad That's a thing you don't want. <laughs> <laughs> what, what jumped off the screen to me about Nene was he was so much quicker yeah. than yeah. Eric Dampier. Yeah. Well. And this was in that era in the NBA where every team felt like they needed to carry three seven footers just yeah. for the hell of it yeah. you know just to eat up minutes at the five. Oh, we need a seven footer on the floor at all times like remember those miami teams they had dampier joel, joel anthony, anthony yes. all these just 
terrible seven footers just eating up minutes. It was just like this weird age of the NBA where every team thought they had to have two or three of them. Eric Dampier was living out a nightmare in game one. My God. <laughs> For, that man is glued to the, he's like a rhinoceros with a torn ACL. He's just not getting off the ground. And, and like Mello rejected him twice. At the rim. Yeah. yeah, that was not great. That was not a great look for Eric. Noted no. defensive, uh, elite defensive rim protector, Mello. I said this to Hastings one time, right? And he got pissed at me. I mean, like, truly <laughs> actually mad at me because I think he – but I said there used to be, and I think Dampier is one of these guys. Look, they have talent. I'm not saying they don't have talent, but the talent was so narrow. It was such a narrowly focused, like he's big and he can rebound and he can get physical, whatever. Like that, that was it. And I just said there's always been like – Every team has one guy whose job is just to be big or whatever. Um, yeah, and he was like, you talk about yeah, me, boy? Let's go Hastings right now. Well. Dude, Let's, I'm telling yeah. you, he came across. I love Hastings. I love that dude. He came across Pepsi this. Center at me, and I'm like, hey, Scott, what's going on? I, was, I heard what you said on the radio. And I was like, oh, my God. Um, but no, but, <laughs> yeah. but my point is Dampier is that guy. Like, he's, he just is like a really big-bodied, strong guy that like – But kind of useless. Yeah, especially in hindsight. I mean, there's a lot of hindsight going on. There's a lot of like – Josh Howard in the first quarter of this game takes back-to-back shots with his feet on the line again. The off-the-dribble pull-up jumpers with his foot on the three-point line. We're just like, why? That was that was just so classic, Josh Howard. I, I it, that's what I think of when I think of Josh Howard. What a trip! What a trip watching Josh Howard again too. That was fun. <laughs> I kind of he's one of those guys you forget about until someone says his name and you know a lot about him, right? But how quickly do you forget about him? He's a guy I want to Well, yeah, know. because he absolutely fell off the map after this season. And that's why I want to see if the, he's actually good. Yeah. Right. Him rolling right. his ankle though is is so he rolls an ankle in, in the first quarter. I was so much about the series and it was, it was true the first one where I just wanted to be like, okay, what was the storyline? What happened that really put it on it? And I'm not saying it would have changed the whole series, changed the outcome, but Josh Howard's pretty important. Probably the third most important player on that team. Maybe fourth if you want to put like Terry. Yeah, he's the Rasul Butler of uh... <laughs> Rasul Butler. Too. But he gets injured like right away. He had been battling with an ancient injury, rolls it really bad, and like it. I I really wonder if that affected the series. You know how how it went. Nobody mm-hmm. nobody's there to guard Melo now. Um, yeah, I don't know. I felt like the uh, I felt like the story of this game though was for a second straight game. And this also happened in Game Five of the first round. Chris Anderson changed the game with one play. Yeah. And in, in game five, it was a block. And in this game, it was in the first quarter when he was guarding Dirk. And Dirk, like, did a couple pivots and threw up that air ball that I don't even think hit the backboard and just, like, went straight out of bounds. And the entire game changed after that. And what I was thinking about was in every interview that Chauncey did during this series, he was always talking about how the bench was, like, yep. what Denver really leaned on. And it was true. The bench changed game five, and they changed this game as well. Yeah. yeah, no, Birdman was incredible. You know what else he was really great at? The after big play celebration. Like he, so good. He, he, he gets the crowd going. Like I'm sure that a block shot, and then he just kind of would stare at the camera, but not for one second, for like five. <laughs> like to not even yep. get back into the play. And just, not even playing. Yeah, or he'd look like playing. point directly at somebody in the crowd. It just was like he was so good at getting the crowd to be like, oh, hell yeah, let's yeah, do Br- this. Brendan, I feel like that's a yo, skill. Brendan, did you have any indication that Birdman was this dope? I He was the first Denver Nugget that I, like, cared about. Oh, okay, cool. So this that, is And I remember totally watching cold. back then. But, no, no, I, dude, but I kind of remembered him more as, like, a fun sideshow act. Like, watching this game, he was, I mean, the game ball was legitimate. <laughs> yeah. Some of those blocks were freaking Oh, I, it, it, yeah. it wasn't that just Did you block. have any indication that, uh... Did you have any indication that he also had a pull-up jumper because he hit another one today? <laughs> well, yeah, I listened to the DNVR Nuggets podcast. So. But like, you know, he could have been a three-point shooter in today's. It's true, but yeah, like his blocks—it's—it's it's not like he like got a he finger definitely on the been. ball. Like he swatted the ball, like just oh, like yeah. punished the ball. It was like incredible. And he would jump from these like, be like there's no yeah, way yeah. that you're blocking that shot, and he would. Like, throw it <laughs> he so tried great. to block everything, and, and so yeah, he would jump at some stuff. But there was one play I think like the the refs called blow a whistle. <laughs> And he jumps from like the free throw. The play's pretty much dead, and he jumps all the way over to block like this non non play. And it's just like, yeah, that was his thing. He was so focused on blocking every shot that went up that he was going to try to block at least at least fifty percent of the shots that were taken. He tried to block. I love it. I love I love Birdman. I cannot believe how much I love Birdman and how much I forgot I love Birdman this much. I I'm going to apologize to Birdman on Twitter. Do we have his handle? <laughs> 
We need to get him on the show. Is he on Twitter? We need, we need to get Birdman. Yeah, he's definitely not. He's not on Twitter. He's <laughs> At not Birdman. On Twitter, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, no, Birdman, Birdman would be great. Um, but as you mentioned, Anthony Carter, also just phenomenal. And here's the storyline to me of this game. We get into the fourth quarter. Nuggets actually, I thought Nuggets didn't pull away. Like, the Nuggets were outplayed the Mavs the whole game. But it was one of those games where, like, going into the fourth, Nuggets are up four. And you're like, man, I feel like they dominated. How are they only up four points here? Um, but then they break it open, but they break it open behind Anthony Carter, J.R. Smith, and Birdman. And I'm trying to think, if we just go position for position, and really it kind of fits even stylistically, Monte Morris is Anthony Carter. Malik Beasley's J.R. Smith. I know he's not on the team anymore, but just roll with me for a second. And then Birdman is Mason Plumley. Can you imagine those three guys closing out a playoff game, let alone game one of a playoff series? Like, I just can't imagine it, but that's what happened. Uh, yeah, last year I could. This year, obviously, I can't. Mm. I mean, there's no way Mason Plumlee has that kind of an impact on a playoff. No, no, no. no. I, I, that, I, that, oh, God. Watching that, watching Birdman on the court and then tr- immediately thinking about how Mason Plumlee would be in the same position is just make, making me crazy. Like, trying to imagine <clears throat> just the energy injection and just, like, all of the things that just don't show up in the stat sheet where – you know, Birdman, uh, like you're saying, like he turned the game around. Like things were dead, or at least they were. The Nuggets were down early, and then the bench came in and just all of a sudden just ir- immediately erased the uh, the deficit I, and like closed the door. I think the Nuggets were a plus. Birdman was a plus ten in the first half. I think the Nuggets were plus ten after he checked in for the first time. So yeah, I mean, he he, he turned the game around. Yeah, uh, I mean, and then also. Can we talk a little bit more about J.R. Smith? (laughs) J.R. Smith is so, like, he is so ridiculous, but, like, no one gets you hyper than J.R. Smith hitting, like, a shot that there's no reason on earth he should be taking, and then he just goes through with such force. (laughs) Like, it doesn't touch any part of the rim or any of the net, I think. At this rate, though, like, with how he shot in the playoffs, in those playoffs so far watching, it's like, dude, green light. Like shoot whenever yeah, yeah, you want, yeah. man. And not only that, like he's like Jr. is Jr. was so uh, just so shifty. I felt like like the way he moved, nobody moved in two thousand nine, or very few players moved in two thousand nine like Jr. moved. It's true. Like he had a couple of finishes at the rim where he, I guess you would call it a euro step. I don't remember hearing that term at, during that time, but <laughs> where he like stepped around Jason Kidd in the lane and like did a super acrobatic finish. Like, um, it was unreal. Denver Rubber Company, the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. They've been doing it since 1972. Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality products from custom die-cut gaskets to molded rubber, custom contract manufacturing, custom hoses, and you guys know Denver Rubber Company is your one-stop shop for anything that has to do with snow plows. Their blades can actually be cut to any length and slotted to meet your exact specifications. Call them today. For any snowplow needs, custom gaskets, hoses, etc., 1-800-259-0010. Or you can visit them at drcfirst.com backslash dnvr. Of course, tell them who sent you. And we're back here on the DNVR Nuggets podcast. Go out of line. Brennan Boat joined by Eric Guido, D-Lanko. That's right. And Harrison Wind. Guys, I just, while we wait for Adam... I had some miscellaneous notes that I just kind of Liam on us. Um, miscellaneous notes. Eric, you hit on one of them already, that the Nuggets were the number one sports story in the range mm-hmm. at the time. I just thought that was really interesting and good context for why the crowd was so hyped. It's not just that the Nuggets were back, but as we kind of saw last year, the formula for people caring about the Nuggets is not just them being good, but the Broncos struggling, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's... <clears throat> You just had, it, it. It wasn't as cut and dry as that, but um, there. Were, I mean, I would say that the Nuggets were super popular the entire time Mello is here. Don't, wouldn't you say, Harrison? Like the Nuggets were the top story as soon as we got that number three pick. Like, you know, everyone was saying, you know, obviously that, you know, there was a good chance we were going to get LeBron when he was coming out, and um, yeah, obviously we didn't. Oh yeah, the, the Nuggets. Nuggets back in this day were, I think, substantially more popular than they've been, you know, up until season, up until this season and maybe even more popular than they were yeah. this season. I, I would say this um, season feels just, like just the buzz in the town, uh, everybody watching the games, you know, every night. 
it just had had more buzz, I think, even than this season. It's maybe. true. It's like um, the way that this town embraced Philip Lindsay this past season, where you know you see people wearing afros and things. Like he's like a Halloween costume. I mean, that was Birdman back in the day, and like, but Mello was as soon as Mello hit the scene. Like Mello, immediately the first year he came, took us to the playoffs, and every year after, and um, the Nuggets felt like they were a legitimate. Uh, something you know to actually worth paying attention to, um, and part right. of that yeah. like oh nineteen's charm I think too is you go out and you make a big name acquisition, but that's also a hometown guy in Chauncey. So you've you've gone and found talent externally, but it almost feels like an organic in house move if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I mean you know we we made the big move the year before getting Allen Iverson. That felt like a big big deal. Like uh, all of a sudden we were legitimized by bringing in like an actual you know, NBA royalty. Um, and then exactly trading him to get Chauncey Billups. It's a homecoming. Um, Chauncey Billups had been the MVP of the NBA finals. They'd been on top for a long time. He was Mr. Big Shot. Like, and you know, the fact that it worked, like, you know, it took a little while for it to all the pieces to come together, but like when it worked, it was just like, I don't know the blueprint. Yeah, the Nuggets just switched. Chauncey was Chauncey was Denver's. Also, this team was so. Chauncey uh, was Denver's LeBron. (laughs) Like he's the only hometown kid that actually makes a difference. It's so true. Like who else? Reggie Jackson, the Colorado guy. Paul Millsap, apparently. (laughs) Well, I guess yeah. (laughs) Which nobody knew until he actually (laughs) arrived here, and I was like, really? (laughs) Had no idea. Yeah, like not. I, I wouldn't describe Nick, Nick Fazekas, Lou yeah. Robinson, like none. Like <laughs> these guys are obviously talented to get into the league. <laughs> like. Yeah, I wouldn't describe uh, Colorado as a huge basketball Derek White. outside of you know, outside of uh, yeah, Derek White, Adam Mares. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Let's just drop Chauncey it off Billups. here really fast. <laughs> <laughs> the the Derek White thing was like a got like less and less. Oh my god! <laughs> that oh my god. It would have been the worst. Really, would have been the worst. <laughs> Completely unrelated note, did Hubie Brown call the Celtics Bulls first round series the greatest series in the history what? of the league? Did anyone did else he really? that? <laughs> what? I, I remember that, that every Derek game Rose, like, went to overtime. Yeah. It was like super. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is true. There was like Bulls, right? three or four overtimes in that one series alone. So I yeah. guess if you like, we're trying to say like in a vacuum or something or whatever, you know, okay. but Sure, sure. He said that, and I tripled it. I was like, dude, you've been around a long time. So I don't know if that That's is. That's true. If anybody would know, it'd be Hubie. Uh, but I do I do remember that yeah. series like being like super insane. Really yeah. good. It was really fun, yeah. Uh, An- another uh, random note I had here, guys. John Elway introduced Chauncey Billups in yeah. the starting lineups, apparently, in this game as, quote, the new number seven. Can you can you imagine how lit Pepsi That's, Center was for John freaking Elway doing to. the we player introduction? It. It was lit. <laughs> <laughs> but like, imagine if you were there and you heard it. Oh yeah, like that place was popping <laughs> off. Also, can we get my guy John Elway like an actual uh, legit authentic NBA jersey, <laughs> not some like did he have a knockoff swingman swing jersey? Did he rock a fake? Wearing? Oh jeez. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was bad. It was oh bad. My goodness. <laughs> that that is cool. In '94, I think it was Game Three or Game Four of that first round series where John Elway introduced in the the lineup and then said, "Let's get ready to Matumbo." Matumbo. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, that's the hallmark of any successful Nuggets playoff uh, series is that John Elway has to announce at least one of the games. He has to come in. To what do you game. think it'd be like if John Elway? Like was the lead person at the Nuggets playoff game. I just don't know if it would play that well anymore. Oh, it would totally play. Are you kidding? Oh, it would totally it would play, play so hard. Me? Come on, dude. We just need that. He just hasn't been back. Dude, people would go think, crazy both, if John Elway were to do the intro. Like you know, was on the court with a mic or something for the game one of a of a round of the playoffs. Do you think it would have the same impact? Not the same impact. Yeah. People would still go nuts. The noise would be off the chain but you do have to account for how many denverites are like what year were you, what, new, what year were you born a lot of us in? don't so you were 91. seven when they won their first championship or six or seven like yeah. that's wild to me man like yeah i i don't know eric i don't know if it would have this like i think if peyton manning did it oh, or boy. von miller of course but like peyton manning 
I think it would have a bigger oh, dude, impact. There, there's, dude, there's no, there are no... It might be louder. There, there are no it, yeah. new jacks that are going to Nuggets games. I'll, I'll say that first and foremost. Like, these are Denverites. <laughs> that is these a good point. You like, think? John Elway... It, oh, my God, dude. It doesn't matter any... Any single Broncos quarterback that gets put on the jumbotron results in absolute pandemonium <laughs> in, in Pepsi Center. Like Drew Locke gets it, uh, Peyton Manning obviously gets it, John Elway the always Kyle gets Orton. it. Like when they show Von Drew Miller, Locke's gonna have a Drew Locke's gonna have a 500 record. He'll be shouting out Nuggets in five Doing years. His you shut your mouth. You shut your mouth. <laughs> oh, he the knows Jesus. Those guys. they kill me, man. He's they five and me. one. He's five and one. How many? How many white guys know that song? I don't. I don't know that song. I don't know that song. But I know Drew Locke, so that's all I need. I found myself a little bit, just a little bit, not a lot, just a little bit, rooting for Dirk in this game. I really like Dirk. Mm. I'm a big yeah, Dirk fan. Great. Dude, Dirk is one of my top five favorite players When he goes for like seven ever. for seven in the first few Love minutes, Dirk. I was just like, there's part of me like knows he so doesn't go. go off, and I'm just kind of like, oh, man. Could go for a Dirk game you know what's right amazing? now. <laughs> well, also, we covered Dirk's like farewell season and saw him where it looked like if he bent down to, to yeah, shoot, yeah. like his knees might lock, and he would never stand up again. So it was really fun for me to, and again, I was younger, so to go back and really watch him with his legs yeah, underneath him, you just remember, like, really one of the greatest scorers to Here's another ever take for you for Dirk. He wins a championship two years later in, in a tough one. Like, he goes through some really good teams to get it uh, and plays has one of the greatest playoff runs. I don't think you would know it if you watched him at this point of his career. He was really good. And obviously, 2006, you know, he had the MVP years. and Like, he, he, he was he's a really good player. But watching him, it's kind of like, yeah, he shoots and he scores sometimes. But I don't know that he's a guy that can carry a team to a championship. Two years later, he does. Yeah, it did kind of seem. I'm glad you brought yeah, that up. Like an also because the broadcast, yeah, the broadcast had that conversation, which was the Dirk oh, conversation, yeah. right up until he won it. Right? Can this guy do it? And um, and he is crazy to listen to Hugh be defending <laughs> right. Dirk. Right? If you, right, I know. If you're a fanatic past 2011, like Dirk's royalty, no one gets to take shots at Dirk. But you remember, like he was a guy who was too soft, yeah. who and he almost get it looked done. like it though. He also had a much better roster around him. He had a great well, roster around him. I mean, him. this is Players the real and... truth of basketball, right? Is that, yes, it always takes great teams. We always whittle it down to, like, so-and-so carried them. But it's, I mean, very few times has it been a player with, like, a bunch of scrubs around him that have that have advanced too far, you know? I mean, it, you need teams. But Dirk did carry oh, them. Sure. Like, that 11 run, you know, he was just, he was one of the best yeah, players no, on the yeah, planet. Yeah. And another, and then another important uh, thing to mention about Dirk is that he is the precursor to one of two hair matchups that the Nuggets see back-to-back. First Dirk and then Pau Gasol in the next round <laughs> that have the exact same mm. mop. Uh, Pau, Pau Gasol's hair yeah, cannot Yeah, actually, get out of here. Under. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, Pau's floppy. Yeah. It's the same. <laughs> Bouncy well, listen, and floppy. Dirk's we can talk flowing. about the quality. I'm just talking about the cut. They had the same cut. Like, they had that, like, flowing caveman cut. Yeah, they did. I absolutely did. I know because I went. I remember being in the stands and holding up a Geico caveman uh, picture to to mock Pau Gasol. Oh man, I you must have done have the got same him so Dirk. good, man. You got him so good. Well, I know. I the hair is not the same. Hair. Stop it. I, I won't. I will not stop it. Dirk's had way more listen, volume. Again, is what you're talking again. quality. Dirk, listen, yeah. listen. <laughs> this is absurd. It's the same cut. Do we have any more notes? Do we have any more notes from this game? Anything else to kind of chew on? Uh, no. <laughs> no. Yeah, that? I think that's all I've got here. Um, Birdman had a uh, mid-range jumper. Not sure if we've hit <laughs> oh, on that. Oh, I do have one thing. I do have, uh, I yet, do have one thing. I do have one thing. Another the game one of has those. changed. Obviously, we've talked a lot about it, but... <laughs> Melo to me, he got hot in the fourth, and he wasn't the reason they blew it open, but he really contributed quite a bit to it. Like when he hit that transition three, uh, and the nothing but net high archer goes in. Like to me, those are the those are sort of the shots that separate good teams from great teams. I think this Nuggets team without Melo would have been a a playoff team. They might have been the New Orleans Hornets, but they would have been a good team. You know, with Melo. Yeah. When he played well, like he didn't play well in quarters one, two, and three. Denver's up four. Denver played great, had a lot of contributors, but they're up four. He starts rolling, and it's just a knockout. And I wonder, his game reminds me of MPJ so much. I think MPJ can fill in, but when I watch him and the shots that he hits and just knowing how big of momentum they are, it makes me wonder, can the Nuggets get to a point where it's like Jokic and Murray, Jokic and Murray, Jokic and Murray, Jokic, Murray, MPJ, boom, that's the knockout punch. Once MPJ is 
you know, he only needs to have like one quarter where he's hitting shots and those back-to-back threes are going to be the thing that opens up the game. I just, I see so many similarities between them. Totally, because this 2009 team, they could hit you from so many angles. Yeah. When Mel was going too, it was just unstoppable. Um, it was like the tour de force. But uh, it's that same. It can be the same thing with this current team. Like they got so many contributors. If MPJ is having an offensive impact like Mel could have for stretches, they'll hit you from so many different spots. You won't be able. If to MPJ keep is up. a 25 point per game scorer and seven or eight of those points are just him scoring buckets, just creating them, like, that's huge. Those seven or eight points are what – those are positive points. They extend a lead every single time, and I don't know. It, it's one of those things that watching this team – the Nuggets just don't have any of those guys. Will Barton maybe sometimes, but not that often. They don't have any guys that you're like, oh, yeah, he just went on this run and they opened it up. Sometimes Murray, but that's more the system. Just another X factor that I feel like that's what Melo was. Um all right, well, that's it for this one. This was a fun series. I'm excited for this series a lot more. The New Orleans one I had fun with, um, but by the time Nuggets were going to a blow, maybe it was that awful broadcast, but there was a certain point where I was ready to, to kind of move on. This one I'm – Don't knock my guy Mark Fine, <laughs> that's, that's your guy. That guy was on fire the whole series. What happened? Where's Mark Fine now? I'm going to do some research. He was on the TNT. We now might have we're to look on up some fashion trends of 2009, too, because, again, it's only 11 years, but there, I just feel like there's a lot of fa- – even scanning the crowd, this is how dumb I am. Whenever they get to the crowd, I'm looking at people, just seeing how different they look, you know, and there's some weird looks. Yeah. I, I, like, was, I was also going to ask you that. Um, I, yeah. I'm sure you just ran out of time on the podcast, but you were definitely going to ask George Carl about his suits in these playoffs, right? I was very close. Rick Harlow, by the way, also had a suit that yeah. was like – three times too bigger than the suits you wear now. So it's very funny. It was like the dark khaki too. Dark Byron khaki. Scott had one of those dark also. khaki suit. So 2009. Yeah. So I think Mark Fine is still with TNT and he substi- substitute host for Ernie, which never happens. Ernie's never oh, needed a substitute. That's Mark ever. Fine. Yeah. He's definitely not the substitute host. Yeah. Host. No way. They've had other guys on there. Oh, in oh I'm there. sorry. I'm oh, sorry. Okay. Has been. He may be. He oh. may be in the. Uh, he's out. In the, he's out. Okay. In the back. Uh, they may have shoved him in the back. Yeah. Third on the depth chart. Well, well maybe we'll have him pop on the pod here soon. Oh, look at what do we what do we have here? A screen share of Paul Gasol. Look at that. Oh, <laughs> Eric. All right, it's All time. Right. It's time to get out of here. I'm All right, Harrison. <laughs> why don't you send us off? What do you got for us? More manscaped. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wish. I wish we had more Manscaped. <laughs> Just love talking. Keep supporting Manscaped, guys. It Seriously, actually is a great huge. partner of ours. Uh, we got Green Mountain. Yeah, we got Green Mountain Dental Group uh, to close out the show. The best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area. They're extreme Colorado sports fans, uh, just like all of us. So uh, check them out. Schedule a cleaning X-ray exam, and you guys will receive a free oh. Sonicare toothbrush. I like electric toothbrushes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have another thing to push. I mean, since since uh, since I started using electric toothbrush, oh. no cavities, no cavities at all. Um, and also this weekend, oh sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say this go weekend ahead. we dropped a new shirt uh, at in the DNVR locker. Knucklehead. Uh, it is. It is. We've not only introduced our own mascot, Knucklehead. Uh, we're all very proud of what him. What can you tell me about and, Knucklehead uh, before you get to the shirt? Who is he? Sure, Knucklehead. Knucklehead is the ultimate fan. Knucklehead is a mascot that's made out of a foam finger. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking about making Knucklehead for almost a year. Um, when I met with Brian, uh, with Brandon and Ryan, a, a lo- like almost two years ago, I was like, I definitely want to make a mascot for you. Oh, Brian instead of Ryan. Sorry, sorry, Brian. Um, <laughs> oh, Brian, got you, got you, got you. So when I met with Brian, I was like, I want to make a mascot. And they were like, yes, please make a mascot. And so um, we were going to make our mascot a goat. Um, and then we ultimately decided to make him. Uh, uh, I, I was trying to think of the one thing that like really encapsulated what fandom is all about. And so I made him a, a foam finger uh, that is kind of a dick and uh, will fight fight you and fight anybody that uh, crosses him wrong. Um, but we have a new shirt out. It says fight for Denver uh, with knucklehead in his uh, fighting position. Um, Cause you know, like we care a lot about Denver. We care a lot about the city. Um, we're in a weird time now where you have to sort of, uh, you know, start to look at um, really tr- 
supporting the things you care about and you want to stick around, which is weird to say, but, um, and that extends beyond us. That's all of our friends yeah. that we talk about every night. That's Blake Street Tavern. That's Sports Column. That's any restaurant that you're interested in continuing after we're all let out of our houses again. Like, you really do need to support these people. And so uh, we made this shirt to support ourselves, but also to wear as sort of a symbol on your chest that you give a damn. You, you, you care totally. about Denver and it means something to you. So um, check it out. Uh, we're pretty proud of it. And, um, you know, let's go. Good night, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow night.